And welcome back to From the BOLN, your Burnley FC podcast. And I'm here with uh, the regular team, Justin Conley, Paul Woodhouse, Chris Borden and Andrew Greaves. I'm Simon Evans. And uh, yeah, as always, a lot to talk about and a lot to get through in Claret's world. We haven't seen massive amount of uh, new faces arriving at Gawthorpe yet, but we're certainly hearing plenty of talk about players who might be arriving or who we're interested in, who were uh, rumoured to be uh, looking at. Uh, we're going to get onto that in a second. We'll also be talking about the new shirt sponsor and we've got an interview with uh, Claire, a French journalist who has uh, researched a lot into that particular sponsor Burnley have signed a deal with. We'll have that coming up later on. We'll talk about safe standing as well. So let's get underway on the transfer situation and, uh, yeah, so what do we know at the moment about Nathan Teller, Chris? It seems like that uh, situation is uh, still ongoing. Yeah, we've obviously seen him uh, report to training. It was a bit of an awkward situation. <laughs> the Southampton uh, press team were asking all the all the players who they'd missed over the summer, and you could sort of tell that Nathan Teller had probably missed his mates at Burnley, <laughs> and he just uh, decided to keep stum on the subject, but... Yeah, that's that's one that might sort of drag on. You suspect, you know, towards the end, maybe the end of the window. It's uh, like me, you know, a, a bit of a bit of a bit of a poker game. That you know, will Southampton maybe let him go for a little less? Will Burnley stump up fifteen million? But uh, it's uh, it, yes, yeah, see, it's one that might drag on. But it was good to see uh, see Daryl Shea came in from uh, from left field. Really, I think we've all been looking at Harwood Bellis and. Uh, so yeah, I think it was John Percy who, uh, who who broke out his close uh, contacts in in the Midlands and uh, for for what seven million quid to get a you know an Irish you know you know senior Irish international who's played uh, Premier League football he, you know represents good value. He could play anywhere across the back. You know, primarily played across the back three. He can play left back, play right back, play centre mid. You know, seems like he's got a real good temperament and uh, one of those players in, in the mould of Tarkovsky and me that blocks everything and wins it, you know, wins tackles, makes interceptions, but he's, you know, good at, good at pressing. And, uh, you know, distribution might be something that, you know, that, that will improve under Vincent Company, but I think Burnley have, you know, made a you know, very astute bit of business there. Yeah, I think from, from the, the, the kind of, noises we keep getting from the kind of player we're looking for he kind of fits that mold doesn't he to a certain extent he's still relatively young and uh you know i think there is improvement in his game which we've got to look at and i think they're the the kind of players we're targeting you're not going to get finished products for you know seven million we've arguably got you know somebody who's quite a way down the finished product line in in bayer and it's now a case of slotting people alongside him i think in terms of you know being able to 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 get a 
um, you know, Aldekiel or uh, or Shea or uh, Ekdown next to him to kind of give us that that little bit of um, you know room for improvement to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, this, there's an awful lot of uh, rumours coming out about Belgian players as well, isn't there? It, do, it does seem that that. Uh... I mean, it's an obvious one for journalists, isn't it, to to look at uh, Vincent Company and go, "Oh, he's going to go for Belgian players." But it does seem that, that there are some some real interesting players over there. They say, obviously, they they've been linked with the fullback from uh, from Anderlecht. Who I say, I'm, I'm knowing nothing about the kid, but just looking at his profile, looks like it might not necessarily be a be a you know, a senior first team player for the you know for the for the the near future. Looks like it may be a development. Type, but uh, yeah, it's well, they're talking about like 19 year old, what a million, yeah, a million pound, 18 year old fullback. But uh, it's uh, they're gonna, you know, they're obviously two right backs, you know, as as it stands, we've got uh, you know, got Charlie Taylor with you know, with no sign of anything uh, moving with Ian Matson, so that's gonna have to. I, I don't think anyone foresees Charlie Taylor playing regularly. At left back for Vincent Company in the Premier League, you know, obviously under Sean Dyche, you would, you know, if fit, probably, you know, probably would have started every week. But uh, it's you know, you know, the way Burnley play, you know, so high up the pitch, and you know, an athletic lad, Charlie, but he just uh, probably hasn't got the pace to be able to do that anymore. And you know, his, his ability on the ball, you know, not as good as what we've we've seen from Matson. But uh, yeah, sent, this is a pool of centre backs looks, you know, like looks looks solid. I'd, I'd love to have seen Harwood Bellis through the door. And I think at fifteen million quid, I think that represents really good value. I still, you know, you'll be making two or three times that in a few years' time. I, I think, I, I think he's of the kale class, that sort of that sort of type. But uh, it's whether the, you know, the, is is the pool of central midfielders good enough? I mean, that seems to be an area where they where they're looking at, and uh, and obviously, you know, short in the forward department. Yeah, I mean. If if Jukeresh isn't coming and it sounds like he isn't, um, that does sort of leave that that number nine, big number nine or or main central striker, as one that needs addressing. Unless unless we think that uh, the players we brought in last year, Foster and Albafemi, are, are going to be be the answers. I mean, Justin, what do you think? Do we do we, do we need to be looking definitely to bring in someone in that position? Absolutely. I think apart from anything else, just for just for the sake of the numbers, you know, we've we've lost Barnes, so and he played a lot of games last season, didn't he? So we we need to fill that gap in the squad. And you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Looking at the goalkeeper situation, we seem to be linked with almost almost two thousand goalkeepers over the last week, and we've actually signed one. And uh, a lot of those names that are being mentioned are not the sort of players who you think are going to come in and just be a backup to Murich. Now, Murich is a player that we all raved about, you know, in our sort of review of last season. So there was no suggestion that we needed another goalkeeper. But the fact that, you know, we are linked with all these different keepers would suggest to me that that, that company is looking to strengthen parts of the team where we don't even think there's a problem. So, Surely he's looking up front as well because I know we've got you know J Rod is is not getting any younger. Obviously he's going to be part of the mix as well, but that leaves us with just two other really you know recognised central strikers 
obviously we, we think Vagos is not going to come back and he's going to move on somewhere else. So you definitely, we need, we need somebody up front and we need somebody who's going to be not just challenging for, for a place in the squad, but he's going to be our number one striker, I would say. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's that it's that number one striker, the player who, 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 if Foster wants to be playing Premier League football, Foster has got to be showing every week in training that he he deserves a chance. And when and when when the cup game comes along and our number nine isn't is given a rest, then they come in hungry trying to score goals. But exactly um, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, the other area would would have to be you know central midfield, wouldn't it? Because I mean. Much as, uh, you know, similar to the J-Rod discussion, really, Jack Cork, isn't it? You know, it's a similar one. And it's a player who I think, you know, all of us really like and appreciate everything he's done and hope that he's got another good season in the Premier League in him. But he, he's also not getting any younger. I mean, Greavesy, would you be looking at central midfield there? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the areas we are looking at. I mean, we've been been linked with, uh, is it Varanks, the uh, the young Belgian central midfielder? I think he's he's played twice recently for the, the, the kind of senior team and then has been on under 21 duty. And I was just looking at him and the lad from Arsenal. Imagine if you had a midfield of, is it Laconga from Arsenal, Varanks and Josh Cullen with... Brownhill in a more forward role. And I think you've almost got that upgrade that we're looking for in midfield. I think, you know, one of the things we've got to think about is what system is he going to play? I'm talking to a, a mate of mine earlier tonight, and I think I think he might go three at the back in some games, you know. So the stockpile in the centre-halves might be a, a kind of indication that he might go three at the back with, with wing-backs who tuck into that midfield. So, you know, does midfield... How much surgery does midfield need? I don't know. It's kind of, you know, like like Justin was saying, it, it looks like he's trying to pick up players in areas where he and his team have spotted a, an improvement potential. You know, the goalkeeper, I don't think anyone would expect us to replace Muric as number one, but the people we're getting linked with, the Bruggen, who looks like he's going to Brighton, looks like that's finally being done. Um the Belgian goalkeeper of the year, the French lad, uh, whose name escapes me. You know, he's not going to come here and kick his heels on the bench at his age. You know, he's just won the Belgian championship and been voted best keeper in Belgium. You know what I mean? So there's clearly, I think it's a, it goes beyond trying to find competition for Murich and, you know, it's this is the exciting thing, I think, you know, waking up every morning with, you know, 30 different new players being linked. But, you know, until we see them holding the new home shirt or in the snazzy new training kit signing a contract you know we've still not got that many people through the door yet there's the there's the you know is it Fleming at Millwall that you know obviously sounds like there's a strong interest in I've got to be honest not a player that sort of you know watched him and thought oh yeah you know sort of penciled him him down as you know one that might come in but uh no, certainly, you know, on, on paper represents like a, a, a decent signing. But you see, the goalkeeper one's a strange one. You know, obviously, I think Butez is, is he, he's sort of like late twenties. Uh, Arno Tenas from uh, Barcelona B is twenty-two. They're like wildly like different levels of, of of experience with the players that they've been linked with. So for Bruggen, still, you know, not 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 great experience, but uh, you know. We, we, I think a lot of people think he's got a really high ceiling, but obviously every single one of them adept with with, with their feet. But uh, so looking at sort of t- you know Tenas is brave, you know confident goalkeeper, you know ball player, a leader, strong communicator. They, 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 you know they're ticking all the boxes really. So uh, 
again, you know, I, I, I like the look of Vigoru, you know, listening to his interview, you know, upon signing. And he's not, you know, he's not like a Will Norris who's, who's come in and looked at like Burnley's goalkeeping department and thought, I'm number three and I'm going to be lucky to get a game in cup games. He's coming here thinking, I'm going to have a right go at this. I'm going to, you know, if I don't quite get the number one shirt, fine. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, you know, really work hard and push the, you know, the, the you know, the number one or you know, the you know, two goalkeepers ahead of me. But if you watch his, uh, you know, his highlights reel and his passing ability, he's so you look at Murich and he can go long and he can go short. Great, mate. Vigorous, like sort of long passing. It's like uh, you know, a bit like Pickford. He's got that sort of range of passing. He's, he's not one who's going to sort of keep it simple, I, I think. But he's, uh, I see. I bet, I bet his assists were pretty decent for Leighton Orient last season. You know, the amount of balls he's, uh, you know, quick, no, nice and early, good accuracy, you know, and uh, good vision. I, I like the look of him. You'd expect Pe- Peacock Farrell. If, you, if you're if you're an international goalkeeper, I, I really can't, you know, can't see him staying around and thinking, you know, another another season. You know, but I mean, he, he played more games than we, we we thought he'd play last season. To be fair, mm. and uh, mm. I still, yeah, I still think he's 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 not as bad as people think with his feet either. I think he's a, you know decent in that respect. But I just I, I just wouldn't be surprised to see him move out, and uh, you know maybe there might be one, maybe there might be two goalkeepers come through the door. Are you surprised, Woody, that we 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 seem to be linked with so many goalkeepers? Given that Murich was, as Justin, you know, Justin was calling the Glenn Hoddle of goalkeepers, and all all, exactly. all kinds of praise was being heaped on him. Yeah. But I mean, it's 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 slightly su- surprising and slightly worrying that we aren't linked, for example, with five strikers and infinitely more midfielders, and we're being linked with so many goalkeepers when we think, like everybody else has said, that it's pretty much tied in, apart from maybe one or two. You know, but yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely surprised. But you know, maybe Vincent needs something slightly different to to back stuff up. He obviously knows what's going on with his uh, goalkeeping squad. So I do, I do wonder as well. Though sometimes with transfer rumors, you know, those of us who who work or have worked in the media know how it works sometimes. And and the word is out that Burnley are looking for a keeper. So you know that that seems to that starts mm. to generate its own level of stories, doesn't it? Whereas, you know, I'm sure I'm sure in a few weeks, if if we start getting linked with more strikers or the Jukeresh story, it's like Burnley were knocked back in their hopes to sign him. Then we'll start to be linked with like three or four strikers from. Standard Liège or where, wherever they <laughs> wherever they are, yeah, plenty of transfer rumours, and we'll have more for them on our next episode as well, where we're going to hoping to have a special guest who can give us some real insight into how uh, Vincent's company's transfer strategy is going. Let's move along now and talk about something else that was in the news this week. <laughs> So Burnley announced this uh, week a sponsorship deal, shirt sponsorship deal with W88, an Asian-facing uh, gambling company who we've seen on the shirts of other clubs in the past, Wolverhampton Wanderers and Aston Villa amongst them. It's caused some debate online amongst Burnley fans on one level because it's a gambling company, but also specifically because of the kind of gambling company it is. So we thought we'd speak to somebody who's done a lot of research and has a lot of information on this. Uh, French journalist Philippe Auclair, who's written for Yossimar magazine, some really in-depth analysis of who these companies are, because no one we know 
bets at W88. They barely have a presence in the British uh, market. Any of these companies like Daffa Bet and Fun and all the different companies that we've seen on shirts. So what's going on? We decided to invite Philippe to talk to us about that. And here's what he had to say. So, Philippe, Burnley have started um, a new sponsorship arrangement with W88. You've looked into a number of these companies, the Asia-linked uh, vetting companies that are very prominent on a number of Premier League uh, shirts and have been for some time. What do we know about W88? Um, uh, both a, a lot and not very much. Um, first of all, they're not a company, they're a brand, which is not quite the same thing. So... They're part of a, a greater portfolio of brands, which one is quite difficult to uh, to ascertain sometimes. But for example, they have also been operating as U-Day. Uh, they've been quite active in the um, sponsorship business, um, I mean, for, for a while, under 10 years, as far as I can tell. Uh, obviously, they, they've worked with Wolves in the past. Uh, they've worked with Aston Villa. Uh, they've worked with uh, Crystal Palace. And Emil Heske has been a, a long-time ambassador for them as well in the in Asia and the Far East. And now it's it's your turn uh, <laughs> at Burnley. Uh, they're also partners of the Argentinian FA, so they've obviously got quite a lot of money to spend to uh, to acquire those partnerships with you know pretty pretty big names in in, in world football. Uh, when it comes to who they are exactly, who owns them, who operates them. Well, it's the same as with all these Asian, so-called Asian-facing operators. Uh, it's very difficult to gauge that. Like, for example, if you go to and try to find out, you will look at WATH, their presence in Britain. And in that, they're quite uh, unique. Well, not quite unique, but they're unusual in as much they do have a, an ex they do exist in Britain. They do have a, a WATH.co.uk website, which you can go to. They have an address in Poole. Uh, for once, their representative, Hilly Ehrlich, uh, who always is quoted in all the statements about sponsorships, is a real person and not an actor who's been uh, uh, taken in just uh, for, for the sake of the statement, because believe me, that's the rule with those operators usually. So right. they can look a little bit more legit, but but you, you could feel the but coming. Um, if you're looking at what exactly they're doing, uh, and if you think, okay, well, they're just a, like a gambling company trying to establish their brand in in Britain, uh, you would be wrong. Because I had a look. It's possible these days to gauge what is the traffic on, on websites uh, and to actually compare. I've, I've got a few tools and I've compared three different ones and all the numbers were actually congruent. And the, the number of monthly visits to their British website uh, last month uh, was only 4.9k, uh, so 4,900, and it's not unique visitors; it's visits. So, uh, so very probably small. the web. Yeah. Well, the, the website of your local coffee shop probably is about ten times that. So it, it's completely right. inexistent, and also quite a number of those visits were actually bounced off. Like about a third of them bounced off, as in didn't. Uh, I mean, basically nothing happened. And when you compare that with the other websites that W88 the brand operates and the difference is quite stark and um, uh, they seem to be particularly active in Vietnam which is of course a country where gambling is uh, is illegal and um, 
I shouldn't publicize those websites because they're illegal, but I can tell you that I looked at four of them, five of them indeed. Um, all of them were operating either Vietnam or Malaysia uh, or Indonesia. Uh, the most popular had 1.2 million visits last month. Uh, another one had 737,000, and the others were in the round 260, 250,000 uh, visits uh, per month. And when you think that, in fact, there are dozens and dozens of those mirror websites, as we call them, you can gather that it is a big operator uh, in that part of the world. Not in Britain. It has a license uh, which was granted to a, a company called Midnight Gaming, um, right. which, you know, you know as much as I do about them. That's know, the white the, label. That is the white label. Yeah, that's the, what they always called the white label company. But in fact, they don't really operate in, in, in England. It's a complete fiction. And um, uh, you would have thought that, you know, since they've, they've already sponsored and partnered a number of our Premier League clubs, uh, you would imagine that they would have built a customer base in Britain, but that's not the case. Nobody in Britain bets on W88. Right. Uh, people bet on, you know, more popular websites. And it's people from, from the Far East who uh, actually flock to that uh, particular uh, gambling website and its uh, mirror incarnations. Emil Heske, by the way, is not the only um, um, famous footballer who's uh, actually endorsed them. I mean, John Terry is another one uh, who seems to have endorsed more gambling websites than I can quote, but he's one of the right. others. And they, they've also, I, I keep saying that because they're just a brand, they're, they're part of a bigger corporation. Um, and W88 is not the company's name. So, um, which is to right. say, we do, we do know a lot, but we know absolutely nothing. And I can tell you one thing. The guys at the commercial department of MC, if you put to them the question, who owns W88, they wouldn't be able to answer you. Right. I mean, when you look at what they're, what they're doing, then essentially it appears that if gambling is illegal in those markets, then presumably yeah. advertising for gambling is, is illegal as well. This way Correct. they get in television screens in those markets by being on the yeah. front of one of the most popular sports television programs in that country, yeah? That's exactly it. It's The, the Premier League is the most popular uh, league in, uh, in that region. Uh, when people watch it, they're bombarded with, obviously, advertising because, obviously, you, you will also have advertising in, in the ground at the ground and you will have uh, banners as well led on the on the led boards and of course on their own websites and they've been very quick i was looking at a few of them again i'm not giving the uh, uh the urls because they are illegal websites sure. uh, when i was looking at them i mean i'm using a vpn obviously virtual private network to be able to see what people in that part of the world can see you already have emblazoned on those websites the uh, logo and the crest of uh, the fc uh, so, you know, obviously we, they want to maximize the uh, the value of their association uh, with the club because when you associate with a, a Premier League club, you, you do get the exposure through television, but you also get a measure of credibility because you can tell people, well, look, we're legit. You know, if, if our name is displayed on the front of shirts in England or on the LED boards or in the dugout above, you know, Vincent Company's head, uh, it means that we are legitimate operators and that pe therefore people know about you. They know where to go. 
and and also they believe that you are a legitimate operator, even though they're fully aware of the fact that gambling in those countries is illegal and can actually lead you to prison. I mean, you've done a lot of research for Yosimar. You've written about this. We'll we'll provide mm. the links uh, so that people can read that material. But I mean, I suppose one of the defences for this would be, well, everybody else is doing it. That's one thing that that Burnley would say, I would imagine. <laughs> and the, the other thing is. I don't know what the Premier League's policy is or, or their vetting procedure for, for sponsorships. I don't know if you've looked at that, but yes. presumably this gets okayed by the Premier League, yeah? Well, it's more complicated than that. We have been trying, me and my friends from Uzibar, we've been trying to get precise answers from the Premier League. And by the way, UK Gambling Commission, we shouldn't forget about them because they're the ones who actually gave the license to start with. Uh, we've tried to, to, it's a kind of hot potato. It's like when you talk to one party, they will say, well, it's the responsibility of somebody else. Uh, and you go to that somebody else, and somebody else says, well, it's the responsibility of somebody else. So when you talk to the Premier League, we say, they say, well, it's up to the clubs, obviously, to to vet who are their partners. Right. And and I have to say, if I'm absolutely fair, if if you think vetting is only a question of just checking a few things, very basic things, you will find out that there is nothing illegal. I should I should add that we have to be very careful here because those yeah. gambling websites operators operate illegally and have got links to very unsavory people. I leave it at that. I think people can go to what we've done Yosima and have a look at who these people are. But as far as Burn is concerned, there is nothing illegal by doing a deal which they will have signed probably um, with an offshoot. Of that company, they will never have signed uh, with the actual owner. They won't. They won't know who the owner is. I maintain that. And it might have yeah. been with an agency. It might have been with uh, Midnight Gaming, which is based in Pool, which is a legitimate company registered with Companies House. I'm sure there's some, you know, submit accounts that they've got people uh, there, the managing director, and whatever. And so the gambling, the UK Gambling Commission can go there and check. Oh, does this person have a criminal record? No. Have they submitted their accounts in time yet? Even if those accounts, by the way, bear no relation whatsoever with the accounts of the actual company, WTA. So it's all legal. It's absolutely legal. So every time we've asked, and we've asked a number of times, you can imagine, Simon, uh, we got non-committal answers or people saying, the Premier League saying, well, it's up to the clubs to do due diligence and we entrust our shareholders, i.e. the 20 clubs which comprise the, the Premier League, to do the due diligence properly. And when it comes to white labels, you've got this extraordinary answer from the UK Gambling Commission, who for me are where the problem really lies, even if you obviously can be a little bit, uh, okay, you, you might not approve of this kind of relationship with such operators. Right. But the UK Gambling Commission um, leaves the task of due diligence for white label companies, such as W88, to the people who have issued the white label. This is crazy. So instead of doing due diligence right. on W88, they're going to do the due diligence with Midnight Gaming, just as, for example, Fulham announced today that they had um, a new deal with SBO Bet, or Aston Villa days ago with a, a huge deal, huge deal um, with BKA, the Malaysian company. Um, but they've done yeah. that through an agency called TGP, which is based on the Isle of Man. And oh. And therefore, people, the UKGC will only look at TGP in Isle of Man or Midnight Gaming in Paul and look at them and think, oh, they've got licenses with us. That's absolutely fine. 
it's up to them to do the due diligence. And I can tell you, the due diligence is absolutely pathetic. And in the case of TGP, I will say it loud and clear. I've said it many times because these people don't want to talk to anybody. Their due diligence simply doesn't exist. They're just a conduit for illegal gambling uh, operators. And in fact, uh, they were linked, they had very, very close links to one of the biggest illegal operators, actually, as in the operator owned that particular company. Um, and this operator, the boss, is currently in prison serving an 18-year jail sentence for uh, very, very serious crimes committed and related to illegal gambling in Macau in China. So this gives you an idea of what the kind of world we're dealing here, dealing with here. And I think there's a general attitude throughout the football business in this country, I'm sorry to say that, which is we'll take the money because it's, they offer big money, they offer more than normal sponsors, and we look the other yeah. way as long as the right boxes are ticked. Because you see the other thing, Simon, which perhaps we should um, say is that um, they can only, in, in Europe, in the, the big, if you talk about the big five leagues, they can only now uh, advertise in, in England. Because Spain has banned all advertising on shirts in 2019, 2020, I think it was. Uh, France has got incredibly strict uh, laws about uh, gambling companies. I think there's only 15 of them licensed in France compared to nearly 3,000 in Britain. Uh, same in Germany, which has got the new system in place and where there are partnerships with those those type of gambling operators, but there are uh, regional partnerships that people in, in Germany won't be aware of. Italy is the same. They've re reduced the number of operators who can advertise. So you're left with England, so, which is why as well, operators like that are willing to pay a premium and that clubs, the commercial departments of clubs, when you have got somebody who comes to your door, knocks on your door and tells you he's going to buy that space, advertising space, for 30 or 40% more money than anybody else on the market. What do you do? I think you tend to perhaps be a little bit more generous in your appraisal of how fit they are to, to have a place on your team's shirt. That's absolutely fascinating, Philip. Well, thanks very much indeed for your time. Just one last thing. The, 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 the uh, gambling in general on sponsorship of, of Premier League clubs is going to end in for the 25-26 season. Is that that's right? Yeah, so this is going to end presumably as well. Yeah, it's it it's it should end by 25-26, but 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 um advertising will still be allowed on the sleeves of the jerseys, which is a big big business on the LED boards. Uh so right. it's as well as regional partnerships are not going to be looked at. So they'll be less visible, but they will still be here. And you will still see on you know the boards of clubs in the Premier League and the Championship, by the way, and, and, and so much in League One clubs, you will still see uh, advertising in Thai, in Vietnamese, in, uh, in Mandarin, and you will wonder what on earth is going on here. Well, it's very simple. The message is aimed at somebody else than you. And which is why these people are present in our game, I'm afraid. So essentially what Philippe is saying there really is that Burnley are getting put on the table an offer which is probably about 40% above what other companies would be paying for the same space on the shirt. Other clubs are doing it. Um, we don't know much about these companies and what their associations are 
in the countries where gambling is illegal, but they're using the shirt sponsorship to get their advertising out on TV in countries where gambling advertising is illegal. It raises a whole host of, 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 of moral questions, doesn't it? I mean, what do you make of this, Justin? Well, it's quite disconcerting, isn't it? I think. I mean, um, and it's having heard what we've just heard, we know it's quite difficult to really puzzle out what's actually going on here. And to th this idea that there's an organization that we're dealing with that is so lacking in transparency that you'd need all this time and resources really get to get to the bottom of what's really going on, who owns it, what the goal is, and where they're doing that. That to me is an immediate red flag. Um, I mean, obviously, there's two ways of looking at this. There's this idea that, um, you know, to go into into partnership with a business that's already quite murky uh, isn't something that we're comfortable with and, and we should do something about it. And as far as I understand, the, the authorities are doing something about it and the kind of deal that we've just done won't, won't be possible in a couple of years for, for obvious reasons. Or you can just for take the front the of the shirt. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you can do it on the arms, can't you? I think, but but the deal to be the main spurt, shirt sponsor yeah. couldn't couldn't go ahead. So you can take, you can say, well, let's grab the money while we can. Then, let, you know, we need to make as much money as we can, you know, while we can. And does it make any difference that it's so? Does it affect anybody here? Does it? Is it? Is it really important? But I, I don't. I don't think that argument stacks up because that would suggest to me that there isn't a line anywhere that, you know, where we, where we don't, that we don't cross, you know, mm. and I think there is a line to be drawn and that, it, that line isn't just what's legal, you know, it, you know, there, there are some things that you don't want your, your football club, our football club, which is like a community asset really to, to be associated with whether, whether it's legal or not. And I think, you know, an overseas betting company about which we know very little that doesn't even operate in this country seems to me to be over that line. Mm. I mean, there has to be a line somewhere, doesn't there? I mean, Greavesy, I mean, there are companies that if you mentioned their name, people would immediately say, no, 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 we're not, we're not, you know, I don't know. Some people online were saying, would you have Pornhub on the front of your shirt? So, and, uh, you know, where, where there has to be a line somewhere. Does this fall the wrong side of it, in your opinion? Yeah, I think it does, and I think there's a kind of a couple of issues. I mean, when Alan Pace came in, he was challenged by um, Burnley fans about betting sponsors because I think we we'd kind of had our fill of betting sponsors, and you know, he said he was looking. You know, part of you know, he he had his own opinions on betting companies and and betting sponsors, and he said he was looking at the the all of the relations and kind of alludes to the fact that we were looking to end betting sponsorships because he said you know there's existing agreements in place but we'll review them as we as we kind of you know get his feet under right. the table and i think that that to me kind of you know we've got bk8 as the training wear sponsor um who also have kind of a slightly um you know slightly murky recent past i think norwich ended their deal with bk8 in a very short space of time because of some um sexualized images that they were using on on some of their promotional material in in asian countries um and then of course we've now signed up with with w88 and you know i think it became clear and we we alluded to it kind of last uh, last podcast i think that actually it's becoming really clear that as as kind of smart of you know smart money men that our kind of ownership group is and i think their track record on 
you know, Wall Street and investment banking, et cetera, et cetera. They're actually really struggling to to get proper commercial deals. You know, I mean, there's been a massive kind of release today, a very sycophantic release about a new gym supplier uh, supplying the equipment, Primal. We might as well give them a plug. They've probably paid some money to be, you know, kit out the gym down at the Barnfield, down at Gofort. But it, you just look and it just feels very strange, the kind of commercial partnerships that we've got. Um, but as Philippe said in that interview, you know, if 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 they come along, a gambling company, it seems like W88 especially, or the group which own the brand W88, because it is just mm. a brand, as Philippe was saying, clearly have a large pot of money which they target promoted clubs. If you think about the clubs who've had W88, Fulham last year, Villa just after they'd got promoted, you know, and it's seven to nine million quid, you know, it's probably a one-year deal, you know, it probably is one of those kind of, look, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll move on to whoever gets promoted next year. Um, you know, if Leicester come back up, you know, Leicester have had sports betting partnerships, etc. So the worrying thing for me is that the background of it, you know, he said he was quite clear there's nothing illegal that Burnley's done. Lots of other clubs have done it. But it's that that murky kind of, you know, a, a few thousand visitors to the UK betting website. You know, you think he likened it to your local coffee shop will probably have similar kind of hits and, and things like that on their website. So it just feels a little bit like we're getting into bed with unsavoury people. And we actually don't know who these people are. You know, that was a brilliant question when he said, you asked the commercial department at Burnley, yeah. who, are, who are you getting into bed with? And they won't know because there's a company based in Poole, there's a company based on the Isle of Man, and they're just fronts. And yeah, I did a bit of digging after we'd spoke to him last night and you know, there was a great piece that I think he'd done actually on Yosimo, which is well worth a visit, by the way, where kind of Emil Heskey was doing some kind of launch as an ambassador. And basically the chief executive who they'd kind of trumpeted for one, one of these companies, I don't think it was W88, was basically just a paid actor. You know, and the girl they had was just a paid actress. And she said, oh, yeah, I know Tom, or whatever the actor was called. But they were trumpeting him as like Duncan Smith, CEO of this company. <laughs> and it was, it was all just the front. And that's the kind of worrying thing that, you know, we've not even talked about the kind of, you know, the gambling addiction and the deaths from gambling and all of the, the moral issues and the, the kind of health issues with gambling, which are, you know, in themselves a reason to walk away from this kind of deal. But I thought it was telling yesterday when the deal came out, um, the amount suddenly on the website of youth team players signing new contract stories that shunted the announcement of W88 off the homepage very, very quickly. And I think today's gym announcement on Thursday is probably very similar. Just we have to announce it, then just get it off the homepage. And we've done that a couple of times. We did it with a membership. All of a sudden, it's like almost nonsensical. Oh, Chelsea in focus. We all know Chelsea are. We don't need a website story to tell us. But we've announced it. Get it off the homepage. Feels like a weird strategy, but there you go. It's my 10 uh, penneth worth. I think have we, we've seen the sort of... Uh... The fig, like the figure mentioned, he said like between seven and nine million for the sponsorship, which so so you know it's a whacking chunk of money. But I think I read one of the quotes on 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 the release saying, you know, it will help us be competitive. If seven million quid is is seven million quid going to be the difference between Burnley staying in the Premier League or not? I, 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 I doubt it. I can, I, can, I can see both sides. You, you know, you, you know, you want to be sort of have this moralistic stance and 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 sort of veer away from anything like that. And last year was so 
I don't know. It's, it's it's like a really organic, really nice story that we, you know, we we've got these you know two two kids from Manchester who've created this uh, this 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 empire of uh, you know latched onto the uh, the you know retro shirts market and are doing fabulously well. And it, it you know on the back of a a retro looking shirt that was universally loved by Burnley fans, and you have the season that Burnley had in it. To all of a sudden go to one of these, you know, it's like let's see, it's, it's appeared on Wolves' shirt, it's been on Fulham's shirt, it's been on Villa's shirt. So already Burnley's strip, whatever it looks like this season, will look like Villa's shirt from three or four years ago. Greasy, you've got a, a quick thought. Yeah, I just thinking, and this is for for Woody and Justin because I know they're big fans. Right here we go. Here's a conundrum. Umbro bring bring back the Burnley V shirt. With the old BFC logo, but W eighty eight on, are we happier? Aren't we? Oh, oh. what a question! Woody. How dare you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, if it was probably like a double V, then yeah, you could probably get away with it, couldn't you? Of course, in the rest of Europe, you know, all other leagues have kind of banned this, and there's only real England still dragging its heels to a greater or lesser degree. So the answer to your question, Greaves, is no, we don't want that. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one because, you know, I, I do I do have a bit of sympathy for the club in the sense that if somebody's coming in, and, and it is like, to say we've done a deal, is really, I, I saw somebody on one of the online forums saying like, you know, congrats to Alan and the team on getting this deal over the line. And it just doesn't work like that with these people. They've got a budget for the year. They go up to the clubs and say, hey, or do you want a load of money more than anyone that you've talked to has even got close to paying you? It is hard to say no, though, isn't it? It is It is. It is difficult for a club, that, especially a club that's not doing, as, as Greavesy alluded to, not doing particularly well at generating revenue and deals. I mean, we're not bringing in Amer- big American brands to be on the front of a shirt. Oh, we're doing the same as everybody else, you know. No, but that, that's the question, isn't it? Why are we not bringing these big American brands in? We've got, you know, global exposure. You know, uh, whatever whatever you say, the, the shirts are going to be seen across the planet uh, yeah. in, the most pop, in the most popular league in the world. Why, why isn't, you know, I don't know, Coca-Cola interested? Why can't we get some money out of them? Maybe it won't be. Seven million, but it makes us look a lot better, doesn't it? It, it does raise questions. I don't, I don't, I don't have a clue how the commercial department, the club runs these days. I don't even know who's in charge of it anymore. Um, there seems to have been a lot of movement in in the sort of behind the scenes staff at Burnley over the last year or two. People coming in and then leaving quickly, and others coming in and so on. I don't know, but you would have expected when we got American owners that that's one of the things they'd be really, really hot on. You know, even if their background, like you were saying, Greaves, it is, is that financial background. They're good at moving money around rather than generating revenue through, through commercial deals. You think they would have known the people to bring in who, who could do that, you know? So that it's a bit of a surprise really, but I guess, you know, when we're going to be debating this uh, next year, when, you know, there's another sponsorship deal, it's still going to be it's 25 26 when the front of the shirts aren't going to be able to include any gambling at all which i don't know what do we think about that one because it's it's another one of these rules that's coming into football that that is trying to veer the premier league and english football towards something vaguely ethical but i mean there are people who say well that that ship sailed a long time ago do you think you think it's right that 
that in 2026 we won't have even you know legit gambling bet 365s or William Hills that aren't involved in anything murky in Asia or anything. Do you think it's right that they're getting rid of that, Chris? I'd say so. It's one of those. It's, I'm, I'm not one of those who, who even as a you know an accumulator or anything. I don't gamble. I never have. I know nothing about horses. <laughs> So why would I go bet on horse racing? And you know, I'd like to think I've got some knowledge of football, but you can't predict that on a on a weekly basis. So uh, it's just uh, it's if I see, like I say, William Hill on someone's shirt, it's not going to make me think for a second to to you know to to gamble. But it is a kick in the face for some people who you know have had these addictions or families that have uh, you know even lost people. To you know, it's it's got as bad as it's got for people who've had these. You know, they've lost a lot of money and they've uh, and they've hit rock bottom, etc. But uh, it's just it's like anything else. It, society moves on. We can't have you know Tottenham with like Holston pills on the front. We don't want to actually, you know advertise alcohol. We don't have uh, you know cigarette brands on the front of shirts and, th- and things like that. I think even let's like, say Justin mentioned like Coca Cola. I, I bet there'd probably be an issue with that with the fat content and. You know, you remember the old Spanish shirt with the Burger King? You pulled the shirt over your head and it had the... <laughs> you probably wouldn't get that because it's, you know, it's encouraging kids to eat uh, eat fatty food and, and stuff like that. It's just just the way society evolves. But that, say, ultimately, what you're left with then, you know, you're, you're left with like your, your Ensleys and your classic football shirts and P3 computers and things like that, which aren't going to generate near enough for... For Premier League football, has anyone here ever bought a product or a service because the that product or service was associated with with Burnley Football Club? I mean, I I don't think I have. I don't I don't remember buying. Ends I bought a insurance. mouse. I bought a mouse once from P3 Computers. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, when it was still yeah. down Rose Grove, I kind of thought to myself, "Oh well, yeah, yeah that four ninety nine for a new mouse that's going to get." That's going to bring Marco Gentili through the door. So like, <laughs> I contributed towards that that absolute waste of a transfer. I did have Ensley Insurance. I did have Ensley Insurance. Did you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Woody, any Auckland furniture? <laughs> Plenty. I'm still stocked up with like Holland's pies, pies from that season, obviously, in the freezer. So there's that. Yeah. Vodka kick. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. VK. We could have VK on the shirts again. There There you go. Brilliant. Right, let's move along. And another issue that came up this week, and it's one of those issues that that people debate to and fro about, is the safe standing uh, question around Turf Moor in particular. Andrew, what, what what's emerged about that this week? Yeah, so this was something Radio Lancashire did. It was quite an interesting kind of interview with um with, with Doug Metcalf, the kind of head of operations and facilities at, at Turf Moor, kind of just talking him through the the changes that are happening. So, you know, we're getting a new player's entrance, which is going to be a bit more all singing, all dancing. But he also mentioned safe standing. And obviously a lot of teams have, have started to think about it. I think at Man United, they've started putting in those kind of railway, I think they call it like railway seats, if you will. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just think, I think it's an absolutely cracking idea. It, you know, it's the it's always the case of where do you put them? Because, you know, every area you've got people who like to stand up. You know, when I've sat in the uh, James Argreaves 
lower. There's people who stand in front of us sometimes. I'm in the upper tier next year. So, you know, because of the angle of the stand, I don't think I'll be doing too much standing up for long periods. But I just think if you turned that the cricket field stand, that Burnley end of the cricket field stand into the safe standing, most people stand in there for 90 minutes anyway, don't they? And I just think it gives you that kind of, you know, mini version of the yellow wall at Dortmund where, you know, that's you get a lot of atmosphere. The players love going to that at the end of the game. I'd love to I'd love for us to find a way to get rid of away fans in that stand and, and kind of stick them somewhere else. Because I just think if we could, you know, you could make that whole stand safe standing, I think that's where you create an incredible atmosphere. Because I think at times, you know, when I've sat in the, the James Argy stand towards that end or I've sat in the cricket field, you do get such an atmosphere in there. And I think, you know, the fact that most people stand up for large periods kind of helps that, I think. Yeah, I think something does need to be done just to give that edge to turf more because, all right, maybe it was the football towards the end of Sean Dyche's time, but, you know, it was a, there was a lot of games where there wasn't a great atmosphere, were there, you know, on turf more for that period. And then it, it did come back alive again um, when, you know, there was that little mini revival under Michael Jackson, wasn't there? And and there were moments that season where there was corner mania going on and that that was all good, but... There's not a roar on Turf Moor, is there? Like, really, that sort of visceral. So, like, you talk about an end, a cop, or a, you know, since the long side's gone, there hasn't really been been that, in my opinion. I mean, Justin, what do you, what do you think could be done? Is safe standing the solution? Yeah, I think it could be. I mean, I, you know, um, I think I think the atmosphere perhaps last season might have been lacking because it was it was kind of a quite easy wasn't it <laughs> you know <laughs> there, there, there weren't any games where at home at least uh it, even the games we lost uh there, there wasn't a whole lot of of tension in it it was it was quite uh it was quite a stroll for a lot of those games you know those games where we were two nil up at half time and it was just a question of how many more we were going to score in the second half and it was that 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 sort of form unfortunately doesn't really make for um that that kind of on on the edge sort of atmosphere i think we might find a little bit more of that this season i don't know if i don't know if anybody here was at, was at the etihad when we got thrashed uh 6-0 but the atmosphere from the owens there was absolutely sensational and uh literally everybody all all the 8000 burnley fans who were there were stood up for the whole game and making an absolute racket so if you could replicate that with safe standing then you know yeah i'm 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 with greasy on that that the the, the the cricket field stand would be a great place to do it i think they stand up quite a lot in the german mockery stand as well particularly down down on the lower tier it's not for me i have to say i would be cramping up in my calves well before <laughs> half time i don't i did have to sub me off but i think i just think it's a great idea i mean apart, apart from anything else there's no way to stop people standing up, is there? So uh, football grounds are a totally different place to what they were when this when these rules came in. Not yeah. least because it's a different demographic of fans now, isn't it? Different kind of people, um, and you know whether it's legal or not, people are going to stand up. So you might as well do it in a safe way and a way that doesn't inconvenience you know anybody else. If I'd bought a season ticket in an area where everyone's standing up all the time, I'd be finished. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't see the end of any games because I'd have to go home and sit down somewhere. So I'm all, I, like. I, I'm all. I'm all for it. If if 
if people can stand up safely and not inconvenience other people, and it brings back a bit of that atmosphere that we were talking about, the kind of thing we saw at, at the Etihad, yeah, I think I, it just it's a no-brainer. Isn't it? It's just it's just it's it's good to see them moving in that direction. Perhaps we could have a special tier of membership, like we could have a standing <laughs> member. Like, <laughs> I don't know what special guest you'd get, like, but yeah, yeah. Any other thoughts on that one? But it's got to be, yeah, it's got to be safer. I, I, I took my eldest on for his first game against Coventry, uh, and we were in the sort of you know the bottom right corner of the the Argreave stand towards the tunnel, and he he had to stand on his seat for pretty much 90 minutes and you know you flip seats they're not they're not they're not, they're not ideal for that sort of thing are they really it just it's it, if you're gonna have people who are stood up and that's like justin said you can't stop people standing up you know it's all right having stewards in there to, okay do you mind sitting down please sir it's two minutes later they're back up again and it's uh you know you, you'd be better to have the alternative to have that rail seating but you can even lean against your rail couldn't you if you, you know, if, if needs must and things like you know, it's uh, we all remember the old barriers and things. You know, the you know the crush barriers that were, you know, were great if you got positioned on one of those, you could lean against one of them and watch the football. It was uh, it's like rest your pie on top. Of years ago. <laughs> Sa- Simon's got sa- Simon's got safe standing behind him there. Look, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. On the, on the I stood on there many an afternoon, and was never in any danger, only because there were only about seven or eight people on, on there. With us. <laughs> no, I swear. I mean, I, I got I, I, over the last few years. I've been on Aki Stanley quite a lot, and uh, I, I always choose to stand though behind the goal at the Clayton end. There, you're an and ultra, it, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> it's weird actually. It's completely different from the because a part of it is I will say like a sort of nostalgia thing that that's the way I, I grew up watching football was standing behind the goal on the BL end or on the long side, and it's nice to be able to still do that. But it, it has changed. I mean, that 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 stench of piss you used to get on the long side, uh, <laughs> it's it, it's like it's, it's it's a faint whiff of watermelon vapes now when you go. <laughs> it's very different. But I think we're all in favour of it. I think we're all in favour of it. I think it's uh, it's something that'd be great. Anything that boosts the atmosphere and makes it a more intimidating place, I think, could be great. So thanks very much, everyone, uh, for being here again. Another podcast is in the books. We'll be back again soon and uh, more guests and more topics and more things to fall out about, hopefully. All the best. (laughs) Cheers.